After 8 p.m., I should say. It's our shop steward's corner here on Metro FM Talk. And uh, as I said, Glenyanga uh, Yamanina, for the whole month, uh, we're going to be running a series of conversations on domestic workers and uh, getting different voices, different perspectives on uh, some of the challenges that domestic workers, as people who work in our private homes, uh, are facing. And uh, this evening, we uh, kick things off, I guess, by trying to unpack the history and the nature of domestic work in South Africa and uh, the deep roots it has, uh, some of which, of course, are embedded uh, in a massive super exploitation uh, within the ambit of the home. Dr. Rafilwele Pere is a narrative strategist, lecturer, and a theater maker, also joined by Gloria Kente, organizer in the Western Cape for the South African Domestic and Service Allied Workers Union. Dr. Rafilwele Pere and Gloria Kente, good evening to the pair of you and welcome to Metro FM Talk. Hi, Philwe. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Yes, yes, yes. It's just had a bit of an issue there. And uh, uh, we're also trying to get uh, McLaudia back on the line as well. But uh, uh, Dr. Lepera, let's maybe start off here. Um, because I guess this evening we want to just try and unpack uh, some of the history, um, not just, I guess, of domestic work in general, but the history of domestic workers, um, if I can put this as political subjects. Um, in the building of the labor movement uh, broadly defined in South Africa, uh, but also, I guess, the shifting nature uh, of domestic work. And uh, let's maybe start off with that history, just uh, the nature, I guess, you know, in the early 19th century um, and even later of the experience of many of those who, whose, I guess, uh, place of work has been the private homes uh, of uh, many South Africans. Um, uh, uh, where does this start? And I guess... How does this take on a particular nature in South Africa? This, uh, uh, I guess, uh, work in private homes. Uh, and, uh, you know, the data often says private households, and uh, but uh, broadly known as domestic work. Yeah, um, thank you so much for having me. Um, so the history of domestic work in South Africa really sits with the history of colonialization and slavery. And it is rooted in that, and the idea that when... When you think about, when you read about the history of domestic workers, that's because the colonial needs someone to um, take care of their homestead while they are busy outside and, the, and creating um, uh, activities that are happening part of colonial rule. So then that idea of having workers in the home becomes a much more important thing um, in terms of that. And so the history of it is there. And over the years, of course, black women and black, especially black women, having not have a um, a chance to be participants within the economy of South Africa, the only other kind of work that seems open, uh, besides teaching and nursing, was domestic work. So if you didn't have the kind of education or you worked towards getting yourself educated, domestic work was the one open um, industry for black women. So, and historically, the, the, the occupation itself, not just, um, uh, just for women, there were lots of males um, uh, historically mm. uh, domestic workers, and and being the history of um, um, the Swart Kapar and black and then white males being scared of black males, so then suddenly that shifts into the kinder and having more black women take up that role because of the kind of fears that white males have around black males. But that that's how it 
the organization of work becomes about that. The way that we think about organization of work in South Africa in general is around um, labor that is provided by black bodies for a white capital. So it's in and of itself, so domestic work is part and parcel of that kind of a struggle in history. And in a way, when we think about domestic work, even now, currently, we don't think of them. We don't think the work of domestic work is the integral work, but I think it is very important work that makes all other capitalist work that we are doing very possible because mm. it, is, it is the work that makes um, you be able to be functioning at work. And so now, with a much more shift towards, um, we are now, the, I mean, the, the nature of the work has shifted, of course. Uh, the racial um, milieu of the employer has shifted. And so, therefore, mm. there's an, a different way that we're engaging with the role itself. And so, in my work, I do a lot of work around um, the reimagination of that uh, role, I guess, um, and using uh, a visibility concept around theater making, around playmaking, around filmmaking, and thinking about how do we, how do we allow and, 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 and um, what are the struggles that domestic workers are working through and having using these platforms to make that visibility clear and present. Because I think that the, why we like the concept of it staying invisible so that we can keep on being, besides having to say government must change this legislature, but also I think as employers, the, the desire for exploitative nature of the, of the work, uh, to keep it invisible, keep it exploitative, keep it family-like, so we maintain the exploitation of it. And you know, Dr. Rufil, I mean, I like the point you're making there, which is um, this idea of, I guess, keeping it within the ambit of the home uh, also involves keeping all of the super exploitative activities in some cases within the ambit of the home. But the other point that you raise is that a lot of the work that domestic workers undertake um, within the ambit of the home or the sphere of social reproduction is a critical precondition for economic production in the society as well. And, and I'm quite interested, I guess, in how that has happened, because we know, and uh, we've spoken about this on, on this platform many a time, uh, that um, even the recognition of African workers um, is very, very recent. I mean, it's not even 50 years since African people were seen as people who are working and, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, deserving of particular rights as working people. Um, and yet we know in the case of domestic workers in the contemporary moment, uh, that even that struggle is not complete. Uh, we we're talking about Koida the other day, uh, you know, and even I guess the national minimum wage and other conditions of work uh, that are yet to be accorded to these uh, workers that are working within many a private home. Yeah, I, I, I think they, they, I mean, the, when when the government uh, proclamated um, um, the conditions of work for domestic workers and security guards a couple of years ago. It really did shift mm -hmm. around to be able to make it uh, to get the the basic minimum wage, but which is still not at the basic because it's very much lower. Um, and I think it's very important for us to really think about how do we then think about um, you know I mean even within the union system when you think about domestic workers within the hierarchies of the unions is that the domestic workers are the workers of the union members sometimes right because. Mm. You, you come to, you, you are a teacher, you need someone to help you at home, you are a policeman. So you're a worker, you're doing the work of fighting um, the worker struggle to fight for, um, you know, maternity leave, we're fighting for other benefits for workers, but 
the same kind of fight is very hard for us to keep that same fight for work, domestic workers. And I think part of the work that is important for all of us is we're thinking around um, the, 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 you know, the, the, the new imaginations around work and, and how the nature of work is, is to really think about what is the nature of work for domestic workers, especially towards, as if you think about, I mean, most people are listening when you say to them, even maternity leave for your domestic work, people would just be like, no, why would she need that, right? <laughs> so, or, so I must do what? Um, I mean, part of what has happened, which has been interesting across the world, and in, in, in what 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 the the union is also working towards, is the idea of creating um, other benefits from um, a collective um, medical aid schemes, collective um, benefit schemes that can really be able to to really take care of workers in a way that is every other work worker demands of like overtime work and all of that, but. Within the domestic work sphere, it is also so, and at the basis of it is also sometimes just protection of being able to stay in work. So, with the advent of COVID, first, uh, you know, the first meeting um, or the first space where workers were led were domestic workers and the loss of their working spaces because of currently we are in each other's homes, we are at home, we don't, you can't come to work, we don't have the money. When the family says we don't have the money or we're losing our jobs or we're losing money, the first people that go is um, the help or the work that we're we're doing Mm. in the home. So it's also that to think about as we're we're thinking about what does it, what's the nature of work and how work shifts, is how then do we empower and make sure that we are still maintaining um, good systems and good working conditions for workers. Because otherwise, it seems like the first thing to go is to reduce pay for them, uh, reduce uh, dignity, working conditions. Um, people demanding that uh, workers come into work, even when they know they are sick or they have COVID, or you know, when they're thinking mm-hmm. of a family which is getting vaccinated, they're not thinking about their work. You know, those kind of things. What is the protection that we're creating and, and systems that become um, conditions of work that are, are dignity making for our workers as well? Yeah, and we've certainly seen this. I mean, uh, if if you look at how many people were employed uh, um, in domestic work, uh, Dr. Rafilwe, um, in the first quarter of 2020, just over 1.3 million, according to uh, the Quarterly Labor Force survey. Um, And you see a massive drop uh, around the sort of fourth quarter of the year to uh, just shy of uh, 1.2 million. So so just over 100,000 workers then. You're seeing a continuing decline uh, with COVID-19 as well. Uh, uh, probably, I guess, um, relatively a much bigger decline, uh, which just suggests that, you know, the uh, transmission mechanism for all manner of economic shocks is often uh, those who are super exploited and who are doing work within the ambit of the home. But let's talk about social protection. Now, we know historically many people in domestic work have been seen either as carers, helpers, you know, people that are just coming and filling in the berth. But we certainly haven't seen that being recognized and remunerated accordingly as work and even having the benefit framework that comes with that. You mentioned COIDA earlier on, uh, which is the compensation of occupational injury and disease, and some of the benefit framework of that, which expressly excluded domestic workers until fairly recently. Add to that the national minimum wage, but also, I guess, the lack of collective bargaining or any real enforcement, because I certainly, you know, seldom hear of stories where, you know, labor inspectors go into people's homes to make sure people are signed up for UIF, signed up for COIDA, and every other... Uh, I guess, you know, uh, a social security and protection framework uh, that many of these workers should be benefiting from. 
Yeah, I think um, I mean the, the the work that has the work that is being done now is by the domestic workers union, which is the one that is really trying to um, do more of the work around the fight and um, and holding employers accountable. But the reality is, uh, uh, the workers and some workers really also struggle to get those compensations. Uh, you know, I mean, a lot of what you talked about, um, compensation of uh, and getting hurt at work. And when the workplace injuries and diseases um, around domestic workers in South Africa has been really uh, 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 hard, that law, once it was implemented, it's been very hard to implement in in private homes because you'd have to have someone really... And there is no also um, uh, a registrar or somewhere where people are, are registered for work. And if you think about, most of our domestic workers in South Africa are foreigners also. So being also part of that with the, 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 our, the immigrant status increases the workplace violations and pervasiveness sure, sure. Of, um, of, of, of that, the right to be respected, of being paid fairly, mm. and having meaningful... Can you hear me? I want us to take a quick spot break because I can just see it's creeping up on us. So, so let's take a spot <laughs> break and when we come back, uh, you'll continue on that point. Twenty-three minutes it is after eight PM. It's the Shop Stewards Corner here on Metro FM Talk. I'm in conversation with Dr. Refilwe Lepere, who's a narrative strategist, lecturer, and a theatre maker and playwright, and uh, somebody who's done considerable amount of work uh, in uh, the uh, domestic work space. And uh, we're hoping we'd be joined by uh, Mek Gloria Kente, but uh, we're battling. Uh, I guess uh, to uh, get her on the line and uh, it doesn't seem very likely that uh, she's going to be able to join us this evening, but a real pity. But we certainly will, as we continue with the series in the month of August, uh, get uh, some perspective from the South African Domestic and Service Allied Workers Union, SADSAW, uh, which uh, Gloria is the organizer of in the province of the Western Cape. Now, Dr. Rifilwe, we, uh, I guess, had that uh, break creeping up on us. So please complete uh, the point that you were making uh, insofar as, I guess, the conditions of work of many domestic workers are concerned. Yeah, so um, I was making a point around, so how do you enforce um, the law and enforce 
um, the changes in the law, so for example, the minimum wage, and as so, the challenge has been that the that is the work of, and so it, it, it's the work of the union, but most importantly, it's the work of the domestic worker herself to try and enforce it. And having have most of our domestic workers in South Africa also being immigrant workers, it becomes increasingly more um, difficult because of their own economic security and workplace issues. So their workplace violations are pervasive because they are and not citizens. So part of what part of the work that one does. Um, that I do with domestic workers is this idea of creating narratives and stories and thinking about mm. how do we train together, together. They themselves running also their own training around thinking about their own work and themselves um, as agents and participants in their in their own creation. So the increasing of the visibility of the value of the work that they do in terms of mainstream culture and really telling stories about that value of the work, but more importantly, organizing in such a way that is about domestic workers becoming the central protagonist in their own um, areas of work and their own areas of creation. So for, for, for us, that has been a very important way of trying to enforce also the, what, what are the laws, what are the things that you can demand, what are the things that you want, what are the things that you... Because the reality is, it is with other workers, when they do make demands, it is not just them, they are backed by the numbers of other workers within the workspace, they are backed by a union, they, you know, workers are, are, are confident to say, well, I'll call the union. What about the union? Well, in someone's home, when someone says, yeah, I'm going to call the union, I'm going to call the labor, it's easy for employers to say, okay, if you want to call the union and the labor people, goodbye, I'll find you another to go mm. find another job, right? Um, and so it is very central that they become the central protagonist and, the, and, and, and then be empowered enough to be able to uh, fight and make work um, data. But I think more importantly, I think it is the employers themselves also who need to do the work of, I think we've never really done the work of having to get employers to do the work of learning and understanding the value of the work that is being done in their home. But also more importantly, mm. how they then can be able to, do, what is the thing that they need to do to compensate, to make sure that the work is dignity making. Because I think a lot of employers just feel like they are doing people favors and hence this concept of them calling um, domestic workers, housing, helper, you know. So those things reduce um, someone's role in your home because they are, it's like their family because they are housing or they are just mm. a helper. They're not really doing work. And so therefore the kind of equalization of thinking of the worker within the home as you are also a worker, they are also working. So how do you think about it? So it's also been reimagined and re-strategizing even the way we language ourselves within our own homes. Because I know it sounds horrible when I say to people, you must stop calling them Aussie. I see Aussie, I see, right? Because mm. they think, no, well, I'm trying to be respectful. Like, yes, I think it is okay to be respectful and in terms of naming and for the children. But for yourself, in your own head, you need to think about um, them as work. Because if you're thinking of her as family, then you, it's easy to say, my, my mother just says, I don't need to pay her to do this work. Mm. Right? My sister is mm. doing this for me. I don't need to compensate her for doing this for me. It's a favor. Um, and because we are family. And I think yeah. it's important. And I guess that, that familiar link is not just about you know, creating that, uh, I guess, familiarity and the family type li connection. But it's also, I guess, as you say, to foreground exploitation and say, well, you know, this is part and parcel of the uncompensated work that is being done by family members 
in every family already. So uh, in a way, we can find people to that space. And therefore, what you pay them, I guess, you know, is probably as, as small as you can, because you don't see them as somebody who's giving you a service, but just as somebody who's helping you out. Correct. And also, even the concept of thinking about reasonable workload becomes um, mm. a non-issue, because what? You wash the dishes, it's things that happen in the house, when in actuality, if someone is a worker, you then become reasonable about the workload and what needs to happen. Because you know, when you go to work, your workload, you're able to say, when I come in, I have, you know, there are these things I can or cannot do. I am unable to fulfill this or not fulfill this. You can't do this. So even those concepts become when you are when you are too involved in the idea of trying to um, to make everybody part of the family, then you're not thinking about those kind of things and regulations and governmental. So you're not thinking that relationships should be governmentally <laughs> regulated. So you're not imagining mm. that relationship could be um, regulated by government. Yeah, yeah, and I guess the, you know the, the other element to that, of course, is in many ways looking to the experiences of domestic workers is also critical to whatever emancipatory project, politically or otherwise. That is also about, um, you know, um, one, recognizing and acknowledging uncompensated forms of work in the household um, and creating frameworks, social protection, social security frameworks that recognize that this is work that is critical to economic production and therefore should be remunerated accordingly. In many ways, I see, I guess, the resolution of some of the issues in the ambit of domestic work being quite critical to, I guess, unlocking some advances um, in that in that particular struggle. Yes, I, th I think also part of um, the ILO's thing has been that there's been a lot of oversimplification in, inter in, in terms of trying to interpret the, the role of the domestic work in terms of work uh, compensation and thinking around work itself. And I, th and I think part of uh, what, what would need to happen in regard to your question, is to really imagine how do we elevate um, our languaging um, regarding um, the, the, the long term of where we're going with, with domestic work in the country. So historically, it's mm. in, the, in the, slave, the slave narrative, but we have not reimagined that. We have not reimagined it. It's in the same um, binary of uh, slave master, slave, because it's about exploitation, it's about how much more of this unpaid labor we can continue exploiting. So when it comes then back to, especially also when we, we name it as a very familiar concept, right, because people do their own chores, people do their own things, and so they can't imagine having been compensated by their own chores, it stays in that exploitative slave concept. So we think about ourselves even when we do our own work at home around very slave, um, you know, you name it in very, oh, I've, I've worked like a slave today. I have done this. Mm. So we imagine the role itself in the space of work. So co going in the future of work and maybe thinking even AI and maybe think, you know, shifting and, and for IR in ourselves, we're not imagining how the role then they can still stay as uh, an integral part of our lives, but it becomes elevated in value, elevated in what we need, in, you know, in the value of that kind of work that is required sure. for us shift in the new, uh, way that you're, you're thinking about it. So elevate the, the, the value of the work rather than try to think of it consistently as slave work or as this non-essential work, even when we think of ourselves that it's a non-essential mm. work that we do in our own home. So we need to elevate even our own work, our own housework, like doing laundry, doing whatever, 
and think of it as valuable work that makes all your other work possible. But if you think about it, as a very as a, right now, all of us working from home has been the most hardest part because part of it requires you are now doing housework all the time and you're doing yes. your job job all the time. So if you start elevating the work and understanding what is this conversation that I'm having around work itself and that what I do at work is work and it is labor. And I think that will be a, mm. a way towards our own reimagination around what is the future of what we're imagining in the country and how do we then start yeah. and also engage in those negotiations because right now we all come into the negotiation at the back foot of it. It's like, it's work I can do, so therefore I don't want to compensate. And it's work I don't get compensated for, so I don't want to compensate somebody else. It is work yes. I think I am so good at. I'm so good at I mean. So why would I do <laughs> I don't think somebody's worth compensating for. Right, so it is all of those conversations we need to remove and reimagine and conversate in very different uh, languaging around um, the work itself. Yeah, Dr. Refilwe. Awesome chatting to you, um, and thank you very much for taking time out to speak to us. I think it's been such a great, you know, uh, uh, foregrounding introduction to uh, the discussion uh, we're going to be picking up for the next uh, next four weeks or so here uh, on the Metro FM Talk. Uh, Dr. Refilo Elepere, thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. That there was Dr. Refilo Elepere, narrative strategist, lecturer, and theatre maker, uh, who was speaking to us uh, about the history of domestic work in South Africa uh, and of course some of the contemporary challenges around it uh, which uh, of course uh, we're going to be uh, picking up on over the coming four weeks or so but uh, maybe just to give uh, some background and context least of all to this particular day that we faced with here and I found a fascinating quote coming through from uh, the um, uh, essay history uh, online and uh, they are out on essayhistory.org.za go check them out they do fascinating work and uh, yeah uh, coming through from a paper written by one walker in 1991 uh, saying uh, of the march uh, that happened there 20,000 women uh, who had congregated there saying many women ha had babies on their backs and some of the domestic workers brought their white employers children along with them uh, throughout the demonstration the huge crowd displayed a discipline and dignity that was deeply impressive. And uh, we take this brief break now and we go back to uh, many similar types of experiences where uh, that discipline and dignity has been able to place uh, on the agenda uh, the struggle in particular of working women. Stay tuned.